welcome to episode two of Panned Albums, the podcast. I'm Maddie Keegs. Hey, it's Brando. So uh, we're on episode two now. Big shout out to Brando, by the way. The uh, the the intro and outro music is actually his. He oh, yes, yes. he built that from the ground up. Thank you. So um, want to thank everybody that listened to the first episode. Uh, the the response was very positive, and uh, I think it it beat out what our expectations were for it. So anybody yes. that spent the time listening to it, thank you so much. We certainly appreciate it. Um, so today for the second episode, we are doing the album Maladroit by Weezer, uh, which was released on May 14th, 2002, uh, and it was self-produced by the band, uh, with some additional production help by Chad Bamford, Rod, uh, Cervera, Jordan Schur on executive producing, and then a bunch of engineers and mixers. So, uh, Brando, what makes this album special in the, uh, the Weezer catalog? Oh, uh, good question. So a lot of, lot of things going on with this album. Uh, a lot of things we'll discuss and, and dive in deeper on, um, including legal issues with management, uh, the departure of Mikey Welch, the bass player, uh, before this album, um, where it occurred in their career as a, you know, a follow-up to the Green album, which is one of the more famous classic Weezer albums. Um, so a lot going on, a lot to unpack, mm-hmm. and um, a lot that makes this album really interesting. So uh, in the, the sake of being completely candid uh, you know, with our audience, I'm, I'm not a huge Weezer fan. I, I'm more of what you'd consider probably like a casual uh, almost greatest hit style fan. So mm. I, um, when we were preparing for this episode, I considered setting a baseline and listening to everything else. And then just due to time constraints and also the, the fact that I, I kind of wanted to come into the album fresh. I didn't do, um, any other listening besides, besides this album. So this is the only Weezer album I listened to coming into this. I am familiar with their other hits and whatnot. Brando mm-hmm. is a bigger Weezer fan. Yeah, it's a good... It's, I'm glad you bring that up. It's a good contrast. I am a, a huge Weezer fan, almost um, to the point of being biased. I also do recognize their bad albums. Like I think there um, there's some albums that are worse than this one, certainly in the catalog. So um, it will be interesting to talk about it, interesting to, to really dive in. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. What, what, as a Weezer fan... What was the reaction when this album was released? Well, the way that they released this album was really unique, and the reaction was sort of ongoing, but it was mostly negative, um, to recap. So what they decided to do was, after the Green Album came out, they instantly fired their manager. It was a longtime manager um, named Pat Magnarella, um, and there was like a legal dispute um, involved with him and, and some shit going on you know, behind the scenes, but... Um, the reaction, so what they kind of did in a way to piss off, like, the system, so to speak, was just start leaking demos for this album immediately after they finished the Green album. Mm-hmm. So it was like a long, drawn-out promotion of this album that makes it so unique is they were basically opening themselves up to their fans on the website and saying, you know, here's 50 to 100 demos by by time they were done of um, different recordings that they uploaded and were looking for feedback actively from fans uh, to build this album. You know, that, that's interesting. Um, that actually reminds me of uh, uh, Trent Reznor with Broken. Uh, Nine Inch Nails was originally signed to TVT Records, 
and the the deal was was considered to well by Trent anyway to be a shit deal, so, and he wanted nothing to do with it. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but TVT Records was holding um, the deal over his head, and he was refusing to produce anything. Um, what he did do was he recorded the EP Broken and Secret, and then um, somehow Jimmy Iovine got him out of his record deal. And he turned around and he handed Broken over to him. It was already completed. So in the liner notes for Broken, it was uh, it, it it says like this was recorded in secret, so the label couldn't just siphon the record and release it. Yeah. So um, yeah. just kind of an interesting correlation there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let's jump into the record here. Um, Brando, you know, you kind you kind of kick it off with with what your impressions are, and, and even even if sure. you want to do uh, what your impressions were at time of release versus what they are yeah. now, because I know you're probably more familiar with it from the release period than I am. So right, right. So I wasn't so big into Weezer when this album came out that I was like on the message boards and checking out the website and checking out the demos. Admittedly, um, I think they have a like a strong core. Uh, group of fans that did but I just listened to it you know when I heard there was a new Weezer album coming out basically and my first impression um, it's like a hard rocker of a record but it really isn't it's weird it's like packaged like that because you have this first track American Gigolo that I'd probably put in my my top three you know it's like a nice heavy riff Rivers has got a lot of these like yes and uns and stuff going on which is just like a ton of attitude Um, they were really trying to stick it to the man so uh, my first impression was heavier record. You know, I liked like hash pipe and songs like that, that you have on the green album. That song was like one of those heavier rockers. So I thought I was in for more of that listening to this album, yeah. the first track. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the, the, the intro caught me completely off guard J- just from what yeah. I know of Weezer. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be as punchy as it is. Yeah. Uh, it's got like a very punchy and crunchy mix, huge guitar driven mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of have the one, two punch cause you come out of American gigolo and you're going right into dope nose. And both of those tracks kind of complement each other for yes. where they are on the record. Um, you know, when the record progresses, it, it has some ebbs and flows to it, but it definitely starts out right out of the gate. With with uh, you know big big guitar sound, uh, you you have some big choruses in there too, which yep. is cool to hear. Which I think is pretty um, similar to Weezer's other works. They're they're pretty uh, anthemic when it does come to some of their choruses and whatnot. Yeah, so. yeah. And um, there's some lyrics in that song too that I think kind of touch on the whole legal situation that Weezer was going through. Um, if you check out the lyrics, if you listen to this album, I'll let the listeners do the digging. But he's kind of taking a stab at. Uh, management labels you know uh, and but as it goes into dope knows the single and keep fishing um to me these are sort of the weaker points of the album even though they were the singles and i think this is what draws some criticism towards this album um so these two songs uh rivers explained the way that he wrote dope knows and he basically said that he was on a bunch of ritalin and he was drunk and he was in his backyard and he he wrote it on a napkin without a guitar or like anything he just kind of came up with the whole melody and rivers is honestly famous for always um concocting well i shouldn't say concocting but telling a story about how he wrote a song it always seems that he was like messed up on drugs or drunk or you know combination like he's very open about like he's oh i was on ritalin that night it's like yeah. okay he's very open about it but you know, he's like, that's how I got dope nose. He's 20 minutes in the backyard. I just wrote it down on a napkin. So, you know, it's like, oh, stroke of genius. Very cool. But at the same time, it kind of ruins it for me sometimes. Yeah. When the artist is that candid. So 
such you, you want to feel like there was more that went into it than yeah than that yeah and rivers is famous too for having these like song equations like i i heard a story once that he carries around like a leather pad folio of different pop songs structures and lyrics and he just dissects it and he's like i can come up with the perfect song in my weezer lab you know so yeah i i actually really like dope nose i think it's Dude. um i think it's one of my top three believe it or not um yeah, I, I don't. There's something about the chorus with it. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's just uh, it, it, there's something about that track. The the interesting thing about a lot of the things I like about this album is I can't exactly describe what it is that I like. I can describe pieces of it, but I I don't I don't know what the magic is with it. So, um, yeah. but yeah, definitely like that one. You know, keep fishing's okay, and then take control. The the first four songs definitely have a flow to them. And then we hit this track, Death and Destruction, which is kind of, for me, was a slog of a track. It doesn't really go anywhere. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like the, um, it almost sounds like it has this, like, practice space vibe to it. Like, they were just kind of jamming out and, and trying different ideas. And that's sort of an interesting theme with a lot of these songs in this album. And I think some of the magic that you might be gravitating towards is just um, how unproduced it really is as an album. Mm-hmm. It does kind of, it all has the same color to it, but it doesn't sound as thick um or as polished as the other you know the previous records like i went back to green album because i was reading online everybody thought this album was like unproduced sounding and raw and i'm like it sounds pretty good to me but then when i went and listened to the green album and how thick and lush rivers vocals sound on that album compared to this one it kind of made sense to me um and you can go on youtube and find a lot of videos of them like basically just working these songs out on camera like there's songs like take control which is a total rocker that I like a lot on this album, but the fans will say, oh, the chorus of that song is actually the chorus of another song for a mm-hmm. while and stuff like that. And they recognize the way that Rivers constructed these songs in like a very public nature is is pretty cool. So I, I thought the production was um, was great, truthfully. I mean, especially coming out of the the Aerosmith episode. Uh, not that the production on that album was bad, but it's it's very early 80s um you know you you can you can sense the time and place that was recorded in this one um it's it's super clear it's uh, again the guitars are super punchy um nothing seems like it's it's unusually dominant in the mix the guitars are at points but i feel Mm -hmm. like they're meant to be at those points so um yeah but yeah, the, the the middle the middle of the album's interesting. I I really think this album is is sort of an album of three parts. So we have death and destruction and slob. Uh, I think death and destruction is actually supposed to kind of lead into slob. At least it sounds like it might be. Um, yeah, well, slob is. I was trying to describe that song, and I was thinking it's like a like a garage anthem. So I love the way that slob. I love that track. And what's funny is I read that. Rivers said he wouldn't have even put this song in the album if the fans didn't nudge him too. So this was yeah. one of the demos that the fans really gravitated towards. I think it's got like a great feel. It kind of reminds me of the Blue album of this like garage hero just like rocking out on a guitar. Like the intro is just Rivers and the guitar just really hammering out some some downstroke stuff and and screaming some uh, some powerful lyrics. So I like that song a lot. Um, it's it's got some yeah. interesting lead work too. Uh, it's got that like fuzzy like almost. It's got it's, it's got a like certain sloppy. sustain. <laughs> it's known for sustain. Yeah, um, it is thick though. That thick, muddy distortion. Yeah, though. I yeah, know what you're saying. It, Rivers and, is and famous that was, for that. That tone is is all over the place on Absolutely. this record, especially yeah. um, the the next track for me is is the standout. This is definitely my highlight track, which is Burnt Jam. Burnt Jam. I was, 
I was so surprised, honestly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you would probably be surprised to hear me say it because it's got like this kind of groovy, funky type riff, clean yes. riff. And then it goes into this. Uh, would you describe that as? Is it like fuzz or modulated? It's a heavy it's a riff. it's a modulated fuzz, isn't it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, totally agree. Uh, Burn Jam, good track. It's this riff is iconic. If you guys haven't, if you're gonna listen to some songs off this album, this this riff is classic. It sounds like Blur almost. It's got that like mm-hmm. British clean jangle. Super cool track. And um, you forget you're listening to Burnt Jam, you know? You can, like, go, yeah. go about your day, working, whatever you're doing, and, and all of a sudden it pulls you in with, like, a heavier riff in this song, too, at one point. It's got um, it's really cool. really strange correlation. Um, the the movie Sin City, uh, the, oh, yeah. the DVD version Tarantino, of it. Tarantino, right? Yeah, uh, well, Tarantino directed a scene from it, but the DVD version uh, of it on the menu had uh i was working at a big electronics retailer so we used to play it on the tvs all the time (laughs) or clips from it anyway and it had this song by this british band called the servant called cells and um Mm. it plays an instrumental version of it but burnt jam at least that riff it feels like a sister version of that song they're they're not the same but when you listen to them there's there's a there's a huge similarity there that i can't really get over like the moment i heard it i was like oh this reminds me which came first the uh Cells uh, or the Weezer? You know, I I don't know. Um, let's a question. see here. Uh, All our our audience. Well, if we did this live, you could call in and tell us. But you, you could call in and tell us. But unfortunately, we, we don't have that. It actually looks like Burnt Jam was out first because the ah. Cells came out in two thousand and four. It looks like. Nice. So, um, but yeah, j- just kind of an interesting correlation. I I couldn't help but to think of it when I was listening to Burnt Jam. So yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then, Burnt Jam. There's elements from it too that go into the space rock track, which is which is the next one. Because yep. again, you have that that modulated fuzz type sounding sound that's that's on that yeah, track as well. Totally. And to touch on that modulated fuzz sound, you can look up. You can see a lot of cool stuff about Rivers Equipment, and um, I think it's Brian Bell is the uh, guitar, the other guitar player. You can learn a lot about his equipment and um, a lot of SGs, um, like different Strat copies and stuff. But I really enjoy what Rivers has done with amps. He plays a lot of old Mesa boogies, and he used like a lot of tall Marshall cabinets that weren't very popular uh, from the late '70s to really get this. Like he's always got a thick, muddy fuzz distortion, but it's not like out of control. It's mm-hmm. like tameable. It's really cool. It's and, like a um, tweak British tone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was reading that one time he they were gonna play on Letterman, and his amp was giving him all sorts of crap it was buzzing out and and they couldn't get a clean sound and um in the corner of the room was the amp for the guitar player from the cranberries it had been like flown in for the week later uh the cranberries are going to use this new marshall it's a 1987 marshall i think it's like the anniversary model 30th anniversary or something if it's the one i'm thinking of it's like a purple head with three channels it's pretty cool but rivers played it and like fell in love with it he just opened up the cranberries box and was like hey i need this head you know i'll Tell uh tell the cranberries to invoice me, and, uh, <laughs> but he fell in love with the amp, and I think it inspired a lot of the fuzzy tones that we hear on like Maladroit and um, albums on. So yeah, cool. it's it, it's definitely the the tones consistent throughout this album for sure. I I, I loved it. Um, back half of the album, um, some standouts for me were possibilities. Is like a straight punk track. It's almost like a pop punk track. 
Mm. And um, yeah, I wasn't big on that. It reminds me of the Buzzcocks. It was a little too yeah. poppy. It had like a certain element of Green Day. I don't know what they were going for with that, but don't forget Fall Together, the song before that. Total, oh yeah, yep. Total rocker, dude. I, I, the reason I don't want to skip that one is because I got to ask you: Have you rocked out to Fall Together? I mean, I have. I've rocked out to the whole album. Oh but, man, yeah, I've, uh, that song's got some riffs. It's and, definitely, you know, it's de- it's definitely it's it's got a big chorus. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's that's a um, good one. That's a good one. I wouldn't put it in my top three, but it's 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 definitely one of the standouts. I, I would mm-hmm. definitely say like Death and Destruction, and there's one other that we haven't gotten to yet that are probably my two low points of the album. But but yeah, so would that make your low points Love Explosion and December? Because I think you kind of liked uh, Love Explosion. No, no Love Explosion. I I think I don't know how they didn't release that as a single. Really, you you feel that strong? I have, I have, I have yeah. no idea how it didn't make the single cut. Yeah. So. I liked it a lot. It, it's got a lot of different paths in it. It's a good song. Yeah, it's, it's a good song. Yeah, it's 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 got radio airplay written all over it. It's it's got a big song feel to it, um, and then that kind of leaves us with December, which sounds like a Christmas song. <laughs> it just it's another kind of slog of a track. It doesn't really. I, I guess it's what I would expect from Weezer. It it, it sounds like yeah. a Weezer track to me, but. Um, it's it doesn't little, really go anywhere. It's a little detached. It's kind of a, yeah. a happy jingle. Um, you know, that song kind of falls in the same bucket as uh, Possibilities, of songs I'll never listen to again unless they just play by the forces of nature. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they come on, then I will listen to them again. But there are songs I'll skip on this album. Um, possibilities is one. December's one. Uh, Slave might be one. Yeah. So, but it's got some, like, four rockers. I think the album was mistakenly categorized as, like, this hard rock rebellious album um you can read a lot about like what rivers had going on you could even find the documents of the lawsuit against his former manager uh pat magnarella um you can read everything about how this album was constructed and nothing seems that sincere to me like the green album had hits it had big songs it really put them that's their comeback album for the weezer history in my opinion is blue album was amazing pinkerton was like a dangerous move that was pretty cool i like it a lot green album was awesome and this album, it does get a little lost in the shuffle. Like, I contacted a friend um, and asked him what he thought about the album because I wanted some out- outsider opinions. And uh, my buddy's like, oh, I don't even know that album. Would, I don't, don't give me that album with Rivers with his flying V, <laughs> is what he said. I'm like, oh, uh, okay. I guess Rivers is kind of known by the Weezer fans as Flying V era Rivers. He played a Flying V? I thought he right. was, uh, what is he historically play? Like Strats? He's done some Vs. And I, I fact-checked my buddy and he was right. I found him on stage playing a V for this yeah. era. He had like a like a red strat or something that he traded from a guy that was in the band early on and SG's a lot live. Yeah. Um I mainly think of him playing the SG honestly. Yeah, it's um all altogether, I mean as somebody that's uninitiated to to Weezer at least in in terms of uh you know being a deep Weezer fan. I uh I really enjoyed this record. I it mm. wasn't I dare say I enjoyed it more than the the Aerosmith record. Not that I really want to get into comparing these albums because they're they're so drastically different and they're from drastically different bands. Yeah. But um, it was it's a fun listen, and we've actually the first two records that we've covered are super short in length. I mean, this album lengthwise, it's like a punk album. It's thirty three minutes and forty seconds mm. if you don't count any bonus tracks that were included, uh, which which look like they're country specific. But um, yeah, Green Album's only twenty eight minutes, so this band's yeah. kind of the king of short albums, you know. And sometimes it's what you get. I mean, if you read about this album, they had like 
40, no, 32 songs, I think, mm-hmm. actually recorded for it. And they picked, what is it, like a 10-song album, 12-song album? And even the 10 to 12 songs aren't super memorable. They're not like huge yeah. Weezer classics. Like if you take a stuff you found on uh, mainly the Blue Album and the Green Album, uh, like Island in the Sun, Hash Pipe, uh, songs like Suzanne, that, were, that song was actually a B-side that was still more of the classic Weezer that you're looking for and you hope that you get when you listen to Weezer, for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a big Weezer fan, there's like a classic Weezer sound. And My name is Jonas. Yeah, there's almost like different waves of Weezer. It's like the blue, the green, and then anything after the Red Album is super pretentious and like Rivers thinks he's a rock star and yeah. sings about Beverly Hills and, you know, everybody's heard the songs that I don't need to tell you. <laughs> so I don't really like that era, but I like... Up until this album, I like a lot, and I like this album a lot. Yeah, too, so it's a good, yeah. good album. So, what? Uh, it, you know, let, let's move into the final verdict. What would you rate it? And um, does this deserve to be a panned album in the scheme of the Weezer catalog? Um, no, no, because they've put out they've put out worse albums, and they've caught less crap for it. This album, I, I think they were kind of in an in-between phase. They started writing right after they put out a hit album, so what can you do? I think they put themselves in an awkward place. They advertised it mainly themselves. They were trying to stick it to the label. They were doing things like, um, it, it's kind of weird. Like They were mailing demos to radio stations, like, play this album, play this album, to try to stick it to the label, but it's like, you're already Weezer. You're already rock stars. You, everybody knows you're already capable of writing such huge hits that are really going to attack the airwaves. Why are you mailing demos like this right guerrilla campaign. So obviously, yeah. obviously there was something missing. So um, there was some magic missing in this album for sure. Uh, I like the harder rock stuff. I like the riffs. I like River's attitude. So I'd give it probably like a six point eight. Okay. Okay. Six point eight. So um, for me, I would as a completely uninitiated uh, person into Weezer. I would probably give this about a seven. Um, I I really enjoyed listening to it. I would probably listen to it again. I don't really reach for Weezer that often, so I, I don't know how often. That's just a personal preference of mine. I don't mm. think it deserves to be panned. Um, critically, it looks like it was fairly well-received. I guess it's on the fan front that it was more of a panned album. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I you know, right now we're kind of uh, too... too we're agreeing on everything. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, need we're to have. Uh, we gotta. We gotta find the album that really drives us apart yeah. here. Oh, we'll we'll find one. We definitely have some coming up. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the downloads. Thanks for checking us out. Um, it's been a great conversation here. Thank you guys so much. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, new episodes in a few weeks. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google.